The Team of Arts podcast, ladies and gentlemen, this is where we try and go behind the thoughts that animate the actions of those who create the arts. And uh, today we've got someone uh, who has created magic with the violin. More importantly, he's also uh, carrying on a tradition uh, that has uh, an absolutely impeccable lineage of, uh, of uh, spreading joy generation upon generation. The absolutely incredible um, Ambi Subramaniam. Thank you very much for joining us, Ambi. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, the violin is uh, is just such a difficult instrument to master, and uh, yet uh, uh, you you took to it like fish to water, or or was it that uh, that the initial strokes were a little uh, little tentative? When when did this journey start? So I started learning when I was three from my father. Uh, I think initially what was nice was it was just uh, about exposure. Right. So uh, my dad used to be playing at home. We used to have so many amazing artists that used to come and visit us, all of that. So I think that environment was created. And then uh, for me, I think initially I had like a tiny violin there and I was trying to imitate what my dad was doing. Right. In, in some ways I still am, but that's a different <laughs> issue. <laughs> that's, that's actually wonderfully put. Uh, the dad that we're talking about is the legendary El Subramaniam. <laughs> Just to sort of put it out there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think at, at that point, like you see what is happening and you try to do your, uh, try to imitate and, right. and all of that. And then slowly it became a little more formalized. Right. So. Um, uh, after a while, it's like, okay, why don't you sit here and then I'll, I'll show you what I'm doing. Uh, and then I think uh, for me, since it was very organic, uh, I've always enjoyed uh, playing the violin. And I think when, when my dad was young, he also made sure that all of us, my sister, my brother, we all learned uh, Western violin, Carnatic violin, um, Carnatic voice, uh, piano, theory, all of that. So. It was kind of a, a very natural thing that right. we, we went and learned from all these different people as well. And slowly our identities kind of formed in different ways. Right. Um, my brother really loved singing guzzles and, and a lot of those things. And then, of course, now he's a doctor, and uh, he decided not to do any, not to do it professionally. So we joke right. in the family that he's the only one with a real job. <laughs> 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 and yeah, my, my sister uh, went into uh, um, English and she, she enjoys uh, writing lyrics, songwriting, that kind of thing. Sure. So I, I think uh, we were always kind of allowed to form our own paths, which, right. uh, which I'm very grateful for. For sure, for sure. And uh, to, have, uh, to have El Subramanian playing the, uh, uh, playing the violin and Kavita Krishnamurti doing a riyaz at home, um, <laughs> Yeah, to, uh, and to have that as something that you can take for granted. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it, has that happened though? That, uh, that there's two legends in the house, but uh, has that happened? I, I, I think so, actually, to be, to be honest. Uh, and I think um, the fact that I've kind of been around them and around people who, um, who always are like, oh, you're so lucky to have these mm. parents, that has actually helped in a way. Uh, but... Um, I think especially with my dad, I, I find that uh, that has happened because from the time I was uh, 13, I started performing with him regularly. Right. So when you're sitting next to him, of course, at no point you, uh, you're playing the same instrument, so <laughs> you kind of know uh, <laughs> the quality and what he's trying to, uh, what he's achieving and all of that. Uh, but 
you start thinking as an artist, um, okay, I need to do this. If he's doing this, what can I do to complement? So you're 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 half listening to the skill in the music, but you're listening to the overall picture and you're uh, trying to see how you as an artist can can enhance what what uh, what he's doing. Sure, sure. Uh, but I remember, uh, so all this was happening, and I remember there was this uh, concert that I think I must have been 16, 17, right. where he was performing and I wasn't. Okay. Uh, he was performing with some other artists and uh, so this was like the first time I was sitting uh, as an audience after a long time of and not sitting right next to him and worrying about <laughs> all of these things and then I'm just like, wow, you know, sitting <laughs> as the audience, uh, I, I miss so many things when I'm sitting on stage. Because sure. your th your your mind is uh, totally occupied, but then yeah, so sometimes it is easy to kind of do that. Sure, and I'm sure it's an honor, but it's also um, uh, would you agree that it's a, it's a little bit of a burden to carry the uh, uh, the lineage on your shoulders in that way? Because obviously, I mean, uh, no matter uh, what you do, the, those comparisons will probably come. Na as you said, you've been playing with him ever since your uh, you were a teenager. Right. Uh, have has that ever felt like a bit of a burden on the shoulders? So, I think I've been lucky to have started early hmm. and I think uh, like I've been on stage since I was six or seven and uh, honestly, I've had some very positive experiences on hmm. stage hmm. and I think that has nothing to do with skill. Hmm. So, you can have amazing uh, young musicians who, who have terrible experiences on stage when they are growing up hmm. uh, and that kind of changes the way they think completely. Uh, but for me, uh, I mean, when I was six or seven year old, probably I was playing terribly. <laughs> but <laughs> but, so, but I, I come off stage and I, f I felt good about performing. I felt so, good being on stage and, right. and all of that. So that kind of really, really helped me when I'm playing later. And then all these comparisons, yeah. all of that came much later. Also, uh, uh, do things like finding your own voice, uh, you know, considering, of course, there's, there's, there's standing on the shoulders mm -hmm. of giants, which we, yeah, I, yeah. I, which you've talked about, but there's also the shadow that giants cast with their voice, uh, in that, and, and you're literally squarely <laughs> in the middle of that right. shadow. Um, is it difficult or uh, is it a consideration finding your own voice? It, uh, it was very important for me. Right. Uh, I think. At, at that age, I think 16, 17, 18, at that point, um, uh, it was very important for me to kind of uh, ha find my own voice, as you say, and find my own tone. Yeah. Um, the, even something like a tone, both of us were playing the same violin, um, same brand, same everything. So, uh, initially, uh, it was a big compliment for me when somebody would say that, oh, you sound so similar to your dad or you sound just like him. Of that, course. that was a huge yeah. uh, thing. And of course, I knew there was a, a skill level. I was probably <laughs> at 10% uh, of what he was doing. But it felt great that, like, sure. okay, you sound like him. Then after a while, uh, it was like, okay, now how do I sound different from him? Hmm. Uh, hmm. While taking all the learnings and, of course, respecting everything that he he brings, he's created his own uh, individual style, yes. his own yes. tone, his own uh, kind of body of work. Now, how do I try to bring out what I want to do? 
uh, and I think in, in that way, some audiences initially uh, would be supportive, some may not be. Some will be um, like, why are, you, why are you trying to do some, this works already, why don't you? Yeah. And then I've gotten so many of these, um, uh, growing up, so many of these uh, comments from different people. You know, this person's son sounds exactly like him. This person's mm. daughter sounds, so why, why do you want to do something that's different? Uh, but I, I think uh, at that point, I was surrounded by uh, people where uh, it was okay to kind of find your own thing, sure. even even if it doesn't sound as good, or even sure. if it uh, um, kind of it's an experiment that doesn't work. But it's sure. it's something that you are doing to find your own journey. And I think that's also, uh, in in a sense, your father's journey would probably act as an inspiration as well because Absolutely. he was also carrying forward the Lakshminarayan uh, tradition yeah, and yeah. Uh, he managed to balance it so beautifully with actually starting a festival in his father's name true, true. Uh, and yet uh, making sure that his voice rings out very loudly yeah, uh, yeah. even though his father's influence was very strong. Uh, so, um, you know, it's a fine balance, isn't it? Some, it is, yeah. Uh, does, it, uh, does it sometimes get a little daunting? Uh, I think these are things you think about when you get older. Yeah, okay. So, um, again, I, I think I was lucky at that point to not have to worry about any of these things. Hmm. And uh, I think also uh, sometimes having uh, experiences on stage that are separate from, from your parents. So, um, of course, like playing with my mom also was amazing uh, because uh, in a very kind of Bollywood show, how do you bring in what <laughs> What do you want to bring in there? And then, uh, I, of course, I've heard from a lot of classical musicians, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, if you, if you play classical, then, then film is easy and all of that. But it's totally not true. Absolutely. Because it's a completely different genre. It's, it is something that needs to be respected by itself. And then you realize, okay, fine, if I'm playing a raga, if I'm writing, uh, kind of writing a novel versus kind of, okay, now in... How do you bring the same emotion in a three-minute song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, for me, all these different kind of things, experiences, uh, have helped that, that so, journey. So, what is the process of creating music uh, for, uh, like, what is the process for you? How do you treat your music? How do you approach uh, the way you make music? So, well, I think recently, um, it's been very, very collaborative for me, maybe in the last five, six years. Uh, it's, and I really enjoy uh, that uh, space as a composer as well. Mm. So a lot of the time, I'm writing music for somebody right. or for a collaboration. And right. that is uh, a very inspirational for me. So mm. I, I, I find an artist that uh, really, whose music really moves me in, in a way and then uh, it's about trying to create a space where everyone is equally comfortable. Sure. And uh, for me as a composer, sometimes it's also, um, I feel if I've not been able to get the best out of somebody, it's a failure of the com composer and the composition. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me that way, uh, I've been really fortunate to collaborate with a lot of amazing musicians who are doing completely different things from sure. what I'm doing. And that uh, I think really helps me grow as an artist. Sure. 
you've also uh, taken on a tradition that is uh, uh, that is ruled by very strict norms, and uh, uh, there are, uh, there are rules that need to be followed, etc. And you seem to be pushing the envelope <laughs> in that way. And uh, you know, we've always been told that traditionalists uh, usually have a bit of a backlash uh, when uh, when tradition or rule or for lack of a better way of putting it, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the regulations of, of how to do Carnatic music are, are bent a little, if they're made a little malleable. Have you had to face a bit of a backlash on that, on that front? Uh, so, so one thing, I think I've, I've been lucky enough to have my father there as a guide to, uh, to make sure that if, if I'm doing something, um, it still is within the kind of structure and boundaries uh, when it has to be. Uh, so if it's a if it's a pure Carnatic concert, then I try to make sure that if I'm playing a raga, if I'm playing a composition, it's it's within the structure, and I'm trying to explore things within that structure, or I'm creating a new structure. So in in that sense, I think um, it's been okay. But uh, I think when you're doing a collaborative, experimental, contemporary work. Uh, it's it's also nice to kind of not worry about these things. There will, of course, be people who like it, people who don't. <laughs> For sure. Uh, but I, I think what's important is whatever piece of music you're doing, classical, uh, contemporary, traditional, otherwise, you should kind of be happy with what you've done 10 years mm. from now. So if you release something, um, you shouldn't uh, kind of worry about, okay, I, I should have done this, but I didn't have the courage to do this. <laughs> or, or you know, actually, I released this too soon, it wasn't ready. Right, uh, right. All of those things. And then, so if ultimately, if you are happy with what comes out, then, uh, you know, everything else kind of takes care of itself. For sure, for sure. Um, also, uh, uh, you know, uh, we're living in times of uh, uh, reduced attention spans, everyone tells us about 30 second reads in 280 characters, etc. Uh, but uh, traditional music, uh, classical music, uh, the kind of music that you play as well, uh, you know, it, it sort of exercises that need for people to really sit down and listen and absorb and uh, and give it the luxury of time in that right, way. Right. Uh, in this scenario, uh, what do you see uh, as the future of, say, classical music or fusion music or long form music in that way? What do you see? Uh, do you see interest? Definitely. And I think as an artist, it's it's challenging and fun to try to create content for all these different things. Right. So, um, I think in the last couple of years, uh, I mean for YouTube and, and uh, social media and all of that, I started also trying to um, uh, kind of work on these five-minute compositions, four-minute compositions, nice. all these right. uh, traditional Carnatic compositions that I may not do in a concert, right. because in a concert you're you're trying to create a, a longer mood. Yeah. You're trying you're maybe doing three, four compositions in, in the in the concert, all of that. And then of course, when when you're on Instagram, when you're on stories, it's a 15-second <laughs> thing. So um, yeah. actually, we've. Um, I started doing this uh, kind of a request night, okay. <laughs> uh, which which is actually fun for me. The, the the purpose of that was for me to kind of expand my horizons, right? And uh, so I would get, um, you know, requests for either a Carnatic raga or a K-pop song oh. or um, you know a Beethoven sonata, 
so for me it that's been a fantastic way to learn new repertoire sure and to kind of because otherwise you you're you're in your own bubble and uh, it it's fun to kind of uh, uh, see what everybody else is listening to and trying to see how you can uh, bring that in so so i i kind of enjoyed that gamut and sure. and um, uh, it's 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 its own challenge to see how you can um, kind of uh, do something meaningful in 15 seconds uh, versus uh, play something uh, meaningful for 90 minutes for sure and uh, yeah perspective is everything isn't it you need to know your audience is that simple as that uh, and uh, of course uh, uh, you know for people who are trying to uh, take their first steps in in the field that uh, that you have taken to um, you know um, there's always the glamour side and then there's always the grind side uh, <laughs> right. which is the hard work etc which necessarily might not be shown in the 15 second reels or yeah, yeah. you know the, uh, the the long walk to the destination <laughs> so uh, what would your advice be to someone who's uh, maybe been seduced by the glamour or maybe been attracted by the music what would your advice be to them when they're taking the first steps so i'll i maybe answer this with a story so i um, i met this incredible saxophone player ernie watts at <sighs> and he's just a legend he's and he's the jazz saxophone Absolutely. player and uh, i think this was about 10 15 years ago so uh, we were doing a concert for the lakshmiyana global music festival and um, i was just kind of awestruck waiting to meet him and and um, to get that opportunity to perform with him was very special so we all kind of um, met on stage and then we did a sound check and and everything and then um the show was at 7 and by the time everything had finished it was it was like 3 pm or something so we were um me being a 15 year old or 16 year old like you know i'm very tired i want to go and rest a little bit <laughs> i'm hungry right. i haven't eaten lunch all of that so we were like okay fine we'll we'll go and then i went knock uh, on his door and like shall we go for lunch and then can rest a little bit and do the show he's like you know i've just i've just come and i i feel like i'm not at my 100% so and then he had gotten a a bowl of uh, of cashew nuts okay so he said i've got my lunch here i'll just practice some scales till the concert uh, you you go rest don't worry <laughs> just looking at him <laughs> Oh, oh. I was like wow okay that's bird <laughs> oh man so yeah so oh. you 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 see all these people and and another um another tuba player who is the world's only tuba soloist right in 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 Norway uh, again i was completely blown away by by his music and uh, uh, one day i went to my dad and said you know we must have him for our festival he is very right. special and all of that so he he comes very 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 nice person and uh one day just before one of the shows we we eat dinner somewhere and then we just start talking about you know our journeys and there were a bunch of musicians and then he starts talking about what he went through as a as a tuba soloist nobody wanted to call him as a soloist they're like okay either you teach or you sit in the back in the back of the <laughs> yeah. orchestra yeah so then at one one uh, point he was like no i i i want to do this whatever it takes so he said for years he would just have potato leek soup for breakfast lunch and dinner because okay. that was the cheapest thing right uh, for him to kind of 
sustain himself. Right. And he was like, just like all my friends were going to work from 9 to 5, I would practice from 9 to 5. The tuba, which, I mean, if, to practice that for so many hours is... <laughs> is yeah. torture. Yeah, Literally yeah. torture. Yeah. yeah. And then, wow. and so you, you hear all of those things. And then, of course, like you're saying, we, I met him at all, when he was already a superstar and, and doing all these things and is so you you see a lot of these things and then you realize that so many people are doing so many cool things Absolutely. and it's um, uh, is really really humbling to see all these amazing people and uh, music is is one of these very uh, uh, fun places where you get to collaborate with people uh, and try to create something new at that point, which is meaningful and something that everybody will remember. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, finally, music is a story as well. And Ambi has told us some fabulous, fabulous stories. Uh, if uh, lessons can be drawn, that would be great. The, but the one lesson <laughs> that we draw, Ambi, is that uh, uh, you are, the awareness that you have, the self-awareness is, is absolutely just beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful. This has been such a pleasure talking to you, Ambi. Likewise, likewise. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for the words, for the stories and, and for the perspective because perspective is important. So please uh, think that's important. This is the Teamwork Arts Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think about it? Let me know. Uh, the comment section is open, of course. You could also follow us on social media. That would be nice and uh, think important. <laughs> uh, that's Ambi Subramanian, ladies and gentlemen. This is Team Arts Podcast. Thank you for listening.